Frank, I thought today we would do something a little bit different on Merge Conflict. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. Well, I thought that, you know, we've been trying to do this follow-up, which is we talk a lot of the past 65 episodes about awesome things, and you're doing super cool stuff, and I'm doing super cool stuff, and super cool events are happening all the time. So I thought it'd be really cool to do some follow-up of our follow-up from last episode, and oh. also finally talk about Android hardware. I think it may be time. Oh, well, I love recursion, so I'm all about the follow-up and the follow-up. I hope we can continue this chain into infinity, so I'm all for that. Uh, and Pixel, I, I, I never would have guessed, but uh, uh, you made me watch a video, and it's an impressive little device, so I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, and I still want to have a topic at the end, so I just want to do some quick quickies here. Quickie but goodies. They're almost like lightning talks, but not really. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's do this. Yeah, so finally, you know, it's that time of year. Apple just had their big event. Now, did you pre-order the 10X or the 8 or the mm. new watches, or did you get any new hardware? I got no new hardware this Apple event. How depressing, Whoa. huh? Oh, yeah. my goodness, none. Well, that's because I'm one of the holdouts waiting for the iPhone 10, and it's not going to be pre-orderable until the end of October, I think, so kind of stuck here in a holding pattern waiting for it. I might still get the watch, but... I don't know. I really don't like the red dot on it. <laughs> God. And which one do you have? What do you have right now? I have the Series Negative One watch. The very first one is actually a developer's watch that I got early on. So it's uh, it's a super oldie. But you know what? It still tells the time. And it tells me a text message from time to time when it feels like it. So I'm still pretty happy with it. I, I probably should upgrade at some point, though. I assume the technology is getting better. Yeah. And you can you can now talk from your phone. Like, you know, so yeah, that, that's good. I guess that's cool, except I never pick up the phone. I don't know about you, but I absolutely dread talking on the phone. So it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I when don't I see really a, need another device for this. When I see a message, like a, a call come in, I just like dread it. Unless it's from my dad or something like that. I'm like, yeah, a family or friends. You're like, great. But if it's an unknown call, nope cancel nope, not happening <laughs> red button <laughs> well i will say that i also did not pre-order any new hardware during the apple <laughs> event oh, nor am i am i not actually waiting for the iphone 10 i thought about it i thought about saying like hey let's all go in and do this i think i think heather is going to get the iphone 8 though um okay sh she's it's not nice about phone. that face scanning technology just yet until it is the only <laughs> thing that you can do on the phone yeah um, i went to the apple store and i actually got the cn8 and it is very nice i like the glass back of yeah. it we've had the metal back for a while so it's nice to have something shiny and fun it looks very sexy and i yeah. think that finally google is bringing the sexy across their entire product line <laughs> and it's growing with the pixel event kinda that literally sexy. just happened <laughs> what was that yeah it's i said it's kind of sexy like it's kind of blue the new pixel they have a uh, great color names this time. What are they? They're kind of blue, um, just black, and clearly white. Clearly Love white. Love those names. Those yes. are great names. Good yeah, job, and then Google. there's um, um, just black on the bigger phone, and then black and white because it's just black and white. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, they, they announced uh, new phones. They announced actually a, a whole product suite of um, different devices, not just the actual phones. Um, it was um, it was like every Apple product. Here's a Google version of it. It was fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. And and just like um, Microsoft did at Ignite, uh, Google came out and Sundar came out and he said, we're infusing AI and machine learning in oh, gosh, everything yeah. that we do. And uh, it's like the new hot buzzword every five seconds. Hey, and hey, you know, no, because we talk not, about it. We're not allowed to talk about it this episode. We have a <laughs> 10 episode uh, wait period that we have to follow through with. Yeah. To keep, yeah. yeah. So no talking machine learning over here. It's not allowed. Yeah. 
We'll just have a quick follow-up maybe. But yeah. So <laughs> okay. um, so new Google Homes, there's a mini, there's a mega max version, whatever. I'm gonna get a free mini because I pre-ordered it. Speakers. Uh, I like the little mm-hmm. mini one. It was cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the big one they said has a giant speaker and it's twenty times more powerful than the current Google. So that's yeah. pretty impressive, I guess. And twenty times the price. <laughs> Uh, I think it was four hundred dollars, which seems a lot. So I don't know. Oh, it's, that's what the big one is. So that yeah, really seems is like competing the with the Apple. Home, yeah, competing with Apple and Sonos. I would say I think that's the big mm-hmm. compete now. Both Sony, Apple, um, not Sony. Um, sorry, uh, Google, Sonos. Apple, and Amazon. So, ooh, yes, Amazon. Let's not forget. I ordered a new uh, Echo. I got oh, yeah, an Echo right. Pro. Yeah, they had a little event, too, talking about events. All these new and hardware events. We're going to have to recap that. I didn't, I didn't even watch it. I have no idea what Amazon came out with. So I, have, <laughs> so I cannot it's say It's just anything. new Echoes. They're, they're all oh. good. And some okay. buttons for them. They're all good. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so they came out with a small one, which is similar to the Dot, um, which is fine. And then a Max, which is big, more of a Sonos HomePod competitor. Um, you know, I have a Google Home. And it, it's just fine. We were trying to ask Google a thousand things yesterday, and it just kept responding that it's still trying to learn. So that's good. Oh, um, <laughs> it's really bad. Like the yeah. asking it a question, like you would think that if it didn't know the answer, just take what I said and put it into Google and then tell me the first response. Just, just read me the headline. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were even trying to figure out like how old was Alexander Hamilton when he died or what was the cause of any of the other characters in Hamilton, the musical um, or in real life, actually. And it was very tricky because we would say the same sentence with a different name and it wouldn't be able to tell us and i was just like oh if it can't scrape wikipedia correctly then it can't tell us anything so it's very strange um yeah i wish these things were hooked into wolfram alpha because i feel like those are the mm. questions it excels at and it should be able to just knock that one out of the park yeah so i wonder if wolfram's holding out or no one wants to pay for the wolfram license which is too bad i really want that tech yeah yeah make these things Uh, smart yeah make them smart that's what i want uh, what else happened? So then new phones. Yes, new phones and mm-hmm. new phones well, happened. I, I was going to interrupt you and mention that there is a new tablet also, a thousand dollar tablet, which looks quite good. Uh, it's actually it's a full Chrome book, but it's a the tablet Pixel also. The Pixel book looks Pixel great. Book. Yeah, it looks like a hybrid. Yeah, it's like a hybrid laptop. It's like how Microsoft was trying to do the the, the 360 like tablet. It's a laptop. It's a tablet. It's got a pen type of thing. Which OS does it run? Chrome OS. Okay, so it is Chrome. Interesting. It is Chrome so it's OS. Quite but, an expensive Chromebook there. Yeah, but Chrome OS now on powerful devices can run Android apps on them. Oh, is that right? That's yes. fancy. Neat. So you could create you could create iCircuit for Pixelbook. Fantastic. I like that. Any unified API I'm in favor for. <laughs> yeah. So that's a big bonus. I'm not about that. Pix- I, I owned a Chromebook at one time and I did love it, but then mm-hmm. I, I don't, I need to do real work on it. So, yeah. Um, okay. But now they introduced the Pixel 2 and it's a fancy, gorgeous phone in three colors. Yes. Yes. Two, what two do you, models. What do you like? A big one and somewhat big one. <laughs> what do you like about them? Yeah, Pixel and Pixel XL. So I went back and forth because I pre-ordered, actually pre-ordered, I'm getting a new phone. I'm very happy. I will say that they did a few interesting things with this phone. Um, The Pixel and the Pixel 2, there's a um, five inch screen and a six inch screen. The that's really the only difference between these devices, which they made a very mm-hmm. big point at to kind of poke at Apple. But oh, it's the, a big poke. I caught that even at 2x speed. <laughs> I got that poke because <laughs> they're like, oh, look at that. We didn't dumb it down for the smaller size. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
The actual XL and the two have the exact same specifications. Besides the screen, five inch AMOLED 1080p screen, which is 441 PPI on the normal two, Pixel 2 XL has a POLED screen at an 18 by nine aspect ratio, mm-hmm. which is more edge to edge than the Pixel 2 at a 2880 by 1440 resolution, running at 538 PPI. A lot of pixels in there Jeepers. and the rest of it's all wow. the same. So it can do as a 12.2 megapixel rear camera. It can record at 4K video, 1080p video at 120 frames per second. Um, it does HDR. It does, um, you know, post-processing. It does a bunch of other stuff. It runs a, they both run in Snapdragon 835, four gigs of RAM, and they come in standard 64 or 128. They got rid of 32 gig. It's gone and no it comes out in two weeks. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to get one, but it's a pretty impressive device. I'm really looking forward to you getting one and come January or February when I'm actually able to get my iPhone 10 and so we can put them side by side and take a look-see and see how they look because they both should have beautiful OLED screens. They should be both edge-to-edge-ish. Yeah. Um, I don't know. what, what Speed-wise, I don't know. I feel like iOS or uh, iPhones always come out on the edge on the top, but we'll see how you do because that sounds I like think, an impressive I think iOS set of hardware. I think iOS 11 is the one that is basically making so many smooth animations everywhere that it's making it look really quick, even if it's not. But iOS is always, mm, I think, faster. Mm. <laughs> so... I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I write a lot of cross-platform apps. iOS is faster, at least hmm. for the for the normal hardware. You know, I've never yeah. owned a Pixel. I've never actually come to think of it. I've only ever ordered, only ever owned one high-end Android. And I think maybe I should correct that at some point in the future. This Pixel yeah. 2 is looking good. Maybe I'll get the Pixel 2 when the Pixel 3 comes out. <laughs> and I will say there's a big difference between owning an Android device that's high-end and mid to low-end, because yeah. I have had many de- like, um, <laughs> de- debug devices, even this mm-hmm. new Alcatel one that I have here, which is running newer versions, but it's real. Like, I could not use this on a daily basis. It would highly upset me. Yeah. You know, um, I tell myself it's it's good for development because if I can make my software run well on this, then it'll run well everywhere. But at the same time, I just hate using the phone and yeah. I can't stand developing for it because it's so yeah. slow. But yeah. uh, what are you going to do? So yeah. it would be nice to have one of these babies. Yeah, I'll be excited to put it side by side because I did get the XL. I flipped. I was going to get the two and then I was like, I don't like those 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 edges, like the the hinges or whatever. So I got the XL. And it's coming in in two weeks or so. So I'm pretty excited about it. Lucky duck. Yeah, but that wasn't the only thing I pre-ordered, Frank. And we'll do a quickie Uh here because they put in more goodies, including brand new headphones. Because Apple has headphones, so Google has to have headphones. Oh, yeah. I saw these. They're not quite as sexy as the AirPods, but they have some awesome features. Yeah. They have the Google Assistant with Translator built right in to the actual pods, which means if you speak to me in Spanish, it will translate in my ear in real time to English. I think that that is an amazing feature. Even if it only works like 50 to 80%, I still think it's an amazing feature. I think it would be totally awkward to try out with someone. I think you'd have to like introduce yourself and say, hi, I'm James. Please speak your native language while I attempt to comprehend it through my earpiece here. But at the same time, I would love to do that. I want to try it. Yeah, I definitely want to try it because Heather speaks Spanish. So I'll be interested to try it with her and uh-huh. and see how accurate it is. <laughs> um, I will say yeah, I was disappointed sounds- because you have the AirPods and mm-hmm. the- somehow I haven't lost them yet. It's still. amazing. I still have them. 
Still have them, which is actually an amazing thing. These actually have a little band, which makes them easier not to lose. Um, and I think what's interesting about them is I'm not sure about the battery life because they said it's only four hours, but then you can charge it five times in the little pod dock. But I don't know, four hours does not seem like a lot of time. Uh, you know, I wouldn't even say I get four hours out of my AirPods. A lot of it is standby time. So what I find is I'll often just leave them out of the little case. And so what I'm mostly interested in is how long can they sit out of the case? Because the truth is I only ever have them in a, you know, a half hour interval or something like that. They're only really being used. Um, that said, four hours, that sounds about what I would get. That's even pushing it. Like if you're continuously using them, I don't even know if I would get four hours. Interesting. But I know that the measure I use is they don't survive a night of being out of the case. <laughs> they uh, just slowly die. They slowly die over time. Interesting. Yeah, yeah because yeah. And I'll be interested because there's just Bluetooth 5.0 that's built into it. And then yeah. I don't know. They're so the small. The mysterious like, Bluetooth 5 that I still <laughs> we still haven't. We, we should do an episode on Bluetooth 5 so we can figure out what the heck this thing is. What it is. Yeah. It's one better. Yeah, it is one better. That's correct. It's well, it's actually I think 0.7 better than the other one. So oh, it's only 0.7. Okay, 0.7 better than, or maybe 0.8. I don't know. They announced some other stuff too. I don't want to go into. They have new daydream views. They have this um pick this Google Clips thing, which is like an AI learning camera. I don't quite get it. I'm, I think it is cool, but it looks like a research project. I'm not quite sure um, about it. Um, yeah, but anyways, that's, that's a Google event. That's the pixel event. Anything <laughs> that you, I will say one thing before we continue on is that watching a Google hardware event makes you realize how good Apple does at their events. Mm. I thought they did an okay job with this one. They had the uh, obligatory manufacturing porn where you like show the innards of the machine and a blowout <laughs> design. It was very nice. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're doing well there. I did watch it and fast forward in a heavily edited version, though, so I can't say much for their presentation skills. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of like, okay. It, it I don't was know. Fine. Like, yeah, it was okay. It was okay. There was some energy that I always see is like lacking for some reason. With oh, it. I see. Yeah. That doesn't come through at high speed. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. One. That's it. That's all I got on the Pixel event. That's, that's 10 it. minutes of okay. Pixel event. Okay. Yeah. Let's let it go. Wow. That was 15 minutes. Wow. That was 15, long follow up. Long follow up. Well, it's not even a follow up because we didn't follow up besides watch a little 15 minute video on it. So now that's you have it in true. form. <laughs> Um, I feel like we have to do more Android stuff. I was feeling bad. We did so much iOS there in a row that basically if James says, I want to do something a little Android-y, I'm like, yeah, let's totally do that. I'm excited. Well, so that's why on the second follow-up, I'm so excited because I was in Paris this week or last week, I should say now, and I was at this big event, this Microsoft Experiences event, and I was talking about the future of mobile development, and I wanted to talk about AI and machine learning and you know, all the things that we just literally talked about on the podcast, which I thought would be interesting. And I took your hot dog or not sample and you uh, gave me all of your photos and yeah. I recreated it myself, which was really cool. And I gave myself a challenge to see if I could do that on Android in about 30 minutes. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. So you're, A, you're taking my two hour thing and squishing it down to 30 minutes and B, Android? Do they know? Do they, can, can you execute neural networks on there? We haven't talked about a ML kit, ML framework. What would they call it on there? So, well, what they're working on, what Google's working on is TensorFlow Lite for iOS and Android. That's right. Yeah. Now, so, that's not out yet. So I didn't, didn't get to use that. Ah, okay. But, what did you do instead? 
but there is a cross-platform .NET standard library for the custom vision API. Oh, the web API. So you can make a web call. I got you. Yes, but they've simplified it into two libraries, a training library and an actual um, prediction library. And here's what's really cool about this. So this is the custom vision AI is I just use the prediction library, but there's a training one. And essentially it'll allow you to upload and actually trigger um, new um, training models and new iterations via uh, the desktop, via mobile, via anything. So you could combine these things together. That's really cool. I've actually noticed this a bit in these modern um, uh, software as a service services things is they're all getting to be API driven. Mm -hmm. And it's great to see Microsoft uh, taking that taking that viewpoint so that I I think the biggest benefit here is simply so that you can automate things so you can write scripts that shoot through and upload mass quantities without having to play around in the web app. I've talked before about how I definitely prefer the web app because it's a GUI and GUIs are better. But sometimes Mm -hmm. you just want to script things and do it in mass. Yeah. Yeah. So then I, I created a little Xamarin Forms app to take or take or take or pick or photo using my media plugin, which is like two lines of code. And then I use the prediction API, which instead of making the web requests, you, they abstract that for you into just a single asynchronous call called, you know, predict with a um, stream or a URL. But here's what's cool, Frank, is not only does it return you the results, when you upload that image or a stream, it actually uploads that photo. Then you can visit it later and add tags to the photo that you are using. Yeah, you know, I forgot to mention this. There's a lot to mention about that app before. That is a great feature of it that I noticed when I was actually doing my initial trainings is, yeah, anytime you actually run something against it, it saves the photo. Maybe that's an option. Maybe it's not. But the idea is if you go in there and tag it as a human, then it can become a part of the training set. I guess the idea here is that if you actually deploy an app that's actively using this, then as the app gets used, you can improve its intelligence as it's being used. And that's a pretty hot feature. Yeah, I was I actually showed during it, like how I could take a photo of like a stuffed monkey, upload it and then essentially tag it as not a hot dog and then (laughs) improve and retrain it which I thought was really cool. So kind of this hybrid approach to it, but I just want to give a quick follow-up of how I did it. I'm going to fork your um, project and then I'll link to it in the show notes um, and and upload it. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. All right, well, 20 minutes in and we haven't even talked about what we want to talk about. So Frank, let's take a quick break and thank our sponsor this week of Merge Conflict, which I am so excited to have back because I've been using this tool personally in Visual Studio for Mac and it just keeps getting better and better and better. It is called MFractor. It is a tool, if you're using Visual Studio for Mac, that you need. It essentially gives you all of the cool refactoring stuff that you have always wanted inside of Visual Studio for Mac. When you're doing Xamarin Forms development, iOS, Android development, or just C-sharp development, it has all these great tools packed in, like really cool navigation tools to say, hey, automatically navigate to this resource or navigate to this view model or create their view model automatically. Um, inside of Android, it can navigate you around, it can fix up your XAML, it can do analysis on your just normal C-sharp um, code, and it has tons of awesome um, XAML features like, hey, I'm doing this binding, go create that binding in this view model for me automatically. And it does all sorts of just crazy auto configuration to really help you speed up your development when you're using Visual Studio for Mac. And they just came out with a new release 3.2, which has awesome tools built in 
and Frank, you're gonna love this, they have an image resizing tool, which means you give them a photo and they automatically resize it to at 3X, at 2X, and standard, and all of the Android crazy densities automatically in all your projects. It's, it's magic. It's magic. I, 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 I hate generating multiple image sizes. It's the worst part of mobile development. I yeah. love tools like this. It's so cool. So that's just one of the features of so much more. And that just works in any project, not to mention that you can then go into your XAML, just hover over that image and it'll show you the image in line. It's crazy. So anyways, here's where you can find out all about MFractor. They have a new product here. You can get MFractor Lite, which is free, which has navigation tools and code analysis. And then there's MFractor Professional if you want to upgrade to get the image tooling, configuration, and tons of awesome customization. But even the free Lite version, you're absolutely going to love. So where do you go to learn more? Well, you go to MFractor.com, just M-F-R-A-C-T-O-R.com, or look in the show notes below and click on MFractor. We thank MFractor and the team over there for building awesome tools and sponsoring Merge Conflict. Thanks, Fractor. Yeah, I love it. I love tools. I need to use that more. Yeah. Talking about tools and libraries, let's get into what we actually wanted to talk about this episode. Um, and maybe it's because oh. we knew we couldn't talk a whole 60 minutes on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a shorter topic. It, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, and that is cross-platform drawing libraries. So basic 2D graphics. We are, we, we're in a situation where we have so many drawing libraries, I think, but some are platform-specific, some are cross-platform, there's trade-offs left and right, and then out of the blue, Xamarin releases their own <laughs> cross-platform graphics library. And I, I hadn't taken the time to actually take a look at it. It's called Skia Sharp until just recently. Um, and I wanted to talk about it. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds good to me. And I guess maybe the evolution of why you would even need to do a drawing library, because I think a lot of developers might be used to, I think in the world of Android, I'm used to a very similar API of just system.drawing, right? Like that's the idea is like, oh, I have system.drawing and it just draws circles and 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 um, background colors yeah. <laughs> and I can clip stuff and I can make ovals mm -hmm. and I can really do advanced stuff. Like I'm wanting to create this checkbox and I don't want an image, so I'm just going to draw it on the screen with pixels essentially of yeah. X and Ys, right? That's the, that's what we're going for, correct? Yeah, exactly. Um, you use it a lot. Like iCircuit is a drawing heavy app. It has to draw circuits. It has to draw graphs. It draws lots of things. And so, um, apps like that, it, it becomes the dominant thing. It's almost like a video game where half your time is spent doing the graphics. I also use drawing libraries for a lot of other little cheats, like uh, Continuous IDE uh, draws all its icons dynamically so that it can scale them to whatever size it needs to be, and they can be super sharp, and so that <laughs> I, as a developer, don't have to ship 10,000 different icons, you know? So it's just nice to be able to be able to render images on the fly basically. Yeah. But that makes a lot of sense because if you're doing a lot of development, you have tons of images or little icons like that can really bloat your application, even though they are compressed and you're like, oh, I'm going to put it in SVG and do it. I was like, yeah, what if you could just yeah. literally have four lines of code, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's completely the path I took with continuous. Now it did get annoying for the simple icons. It was fine. But for the more complex ones, I was really miss missing having a drawing program. But that's a chance where you can use something like um, paint code or a million other things that can convert SVG into drawing commands. 
So the problem has never been doing this. It's always been possible. The problem has been every platform has its own drawing routines. They all draw rectangles and circles, but they do all do it in a slightly different way, which is super annoying. And so back in the past, when I wrote iCircuit, I wrote my first cross-platform graphics library called Cross Graphics, and it was super simple, uh, but it was performance-centric. This was running on very slow hardware and it had to be fast. And so that was my first four, my first jump into into this world. And I can't seem to get out of it. All I think about are graphics libraries. Yeah, I remember when you created, oh, so you and I only not had an, had an idea for doing end controls, but doing a cross-platform library to do layout systems, <laughs> leveraging the system yeah. at some point in our, in our, in our days of being crazy um, app yeah, devs. Early and days. One, yeah, those were the <laughs> days. And then, you know, just kind of, I was like, oh, examine forms is just going to do it. So, um, but I will say that I have always been in, when I do custom controls, I do a lot of drawing in the system level. So uh, overriding a views on control and doing cutouts and doing things like that. And in fact, I, have done that in some of my custom controls. And I, man, I would just really love to be able to draw a circle and put an image inside of it or do, or create an SVG and just put it inside of it, right? Like that would be my goal and dream. And I think that we've seen, I've seen an evolution of like 3D things with cross-platform 3D, which makes yeah. a lot of sense. You're like, oh, well to do 3D, that's very complex. So something like mm-hmm. Urho Sharp or a game engine, like yeah. you're just gonna expect an entire framework to do that. But then 2D, you're just like, oh, I'll just draw this some stuff. And I understand drawing. And I will say between all of the platforms, they're all relatively simple, but then what are you gonna abstract it yourself? You know, what are you, well, how yeah, is that gonna exactly. work? I've done it twice. It's very annoying. And I'll bring up another use case. Uh, When I've been doing all this machine learning stuff, I've been dealing a lot with images. And I often want to do simple manipulations on these images. So I want to write scripts that pull in a bunch of files, do a bunch of image manipulations to them, and dump them out as files again. Now running on a Mac (laughs) using .NET, I have system drawing, which is there. It's a drawing library. It can handle some images. But you know what? It's got a lot of funky little bugs on Mac where, you know, the way it scales images is very terrible. So while I could write that code, it doesn't work well. Uh, And then I'm quick into this position of, okay, well, then I guess I can write Mac code because the Mac code is good. But then it can't run on a Linux box if I ever want to put that code on a server. So then what could that run on? That has to run on Linux. And so you just get into these endless circular problems of um, just having one simple code base that you can rely on to do graphics, but still have it run everywhere. Yeah. So what did NControl do then? Like, how did you implement that? And like, why is that? Is it good enough for you? Or is it now not good enough for you with other things like Skia Sharp? <laughs> so from uh, from cross graphics, I wrote N graphics. And this library was simply to add all the powerful drawing techniques that cross graphics was missing. Like I said, cross graphics was focused on performance, basically to the detriment of what it was capable of doing. Whereas N graphics, I actually wrote it for Spacey, my game, <laughs> so that I could render graphics in Spacey and so I could draw scenes and animate scenes very easily. So I wrote a library that was more powerful than cross graphics, still pretty fast, but just had a million more features and was good at dealing with SVG files and things like that. And to cap it all off, I made it cross platform and used the native renderer on every platform, trying to get, you know, the peak of performance out of this thing. So while it's a 
API everyone can use at the low level, it's working at the platform's calls. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully it's fast. The problem is every platform renders things differently. So then I have tests to make sure every platform renders the same. It, it's, it's a lot of work, but I'm very proud of the library and it does a very good job at what it does. And so I, I would say this really seems to me like something that you do. I mean, it's awesome that you created it, but having created so many libraries, which you know that I've done many a times, this seems like an absolute nightmare to maintain because of what you just yeah. said of how everything is just drawn differently. Like, oh, I want to now do it on a watch or on the TV, like it's a whole API and then testing. And then I'm assuming mm -hmm. other people want to come in and actually do this and you're tweaking performance and all these little things. Like, has it been a nightmare to maintain or a feature request come in? Like, I mean, or is it just done? Uh, you know, the truth is, yes, I actually agree with you. It is an absolute nightmare of a problem, but it hasn't been a nightmare to maintain. The nice thing about graphics is they are math-based, and once you get the math right, it just works. So generally, when you fix a bug, it fixes a lot of bugs. And so if you get people with the right knowledge and they're fixing it for you, things tend to just work out and it becomes stable. You know, it's not like a library that can decay over time. It's using well-known APIs, well-known mathematics to do its job. So in that regards, maintenance isn't bad. But its biggest problem is, like you said, and I, I said that it's running with different renderers uh, from different platforms, and there will always be differences between them, and you just can't work around those sometimes. Like, the way system.drawing renders fonts is absolutely atrocious, you know, compared to iOS. The way Android renders some things is atrocious to iOS. The way Android actually renders some things better than iOS, though, you know, it, it's all over the place. And so that's why... Big intro, Skia is so cool. Yes. But so Skia is awesome because it's a single renderer that runs on multiple platforms. What that grants you is basically pixel perfect accuracy across all your platforms, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And we should say that Skia itself is a Google project. Yeah. That's probably what kept me away from it for a little while. I've dealt with the Skia APIs on Android, and I hated them. Um, not because they were bad APIs, but because they were kind of slow for me. Mm. Uh, the way they were bound and the way everything worked. Because so I was always having trouble with them. Because the, the problem is that, yeah, you're running this engine inside of it, and you're expecting it to be performance. So if you're just creating a shim wrapper over what you can do with the drawing underneath, then it's fine. But... I feel as though Skia has then itself improved because Skia, it seems it like has. it runs on almost everything. I mean, obviously, like they say on the website, Chrome, Chrome OS, Android, Firefox, Firefox OS, and I guess some other ones. iOS. And, Did you mention iOS? Oh, iOS. Yeah, because Skia itself is is actually used by Flutter and Fuchsia. So Flutter is um, Google's cross-platform iOS and Android framework. Have you oh, actually ever seen I see. Flutter? No, now that you mention it, I'm reminded of it, but no, I haven't. We should dig into that. Sometime. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. It's quite interesting. I've never used it myself. It was based on Dart, and I'm not a huge Dart mm. person, but that's kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> interesting. But in that instance... Dart is their JavaScript competitor, in yeah. case you've never heard of it. Yeah, and then what they do is they draw things one-to-one. -one, so when you create a button, it is 
that's the thing with a cross-platform drawing API, right? You are expecting it to be exactly the same on each platform. And I think that's what's interesting about Flutter is like, if you want your app to look like an Android app or this cross-platform one-to-one mapping, then that's what it does, which is interesting, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But when you're doing things like charts or graphs or drawing on a screen or doing icons, you do want them to be exactly the same on each IDE, probably, um, or little animations. So I think that's where Skia, like, to me, becomes really interesting than using or something like even end control was interesting. And I, I know a lot of people that used it to do charts and graphs and other things like that. But then to know that like, hey, Skia is already supported by Google and all this stuff. Like, can I just get that? But can I get it in C Sharp? And that's where Skia Sharp comes in, in general, right? In the in the yeah. tried and true tradition of Xamarin, <laughs> taking everything that's cool and then binding it into C Sharp and making <laughs> and it better. Taking it. Yeah. Yeah, I felt, you know, I was thinking about it. We're, we, we are quite a promiscuous community. We're like, oh, that looks like some nice code over there. We'll take that. <laughs> we're, we're just terrible. We'll take anyone's code and build our apps out of it. It's a real mixed world we live in as .NET programmers. But yeah, they they wrapped this, I think it's just a C API, and they gave it a nice C-sharp binding. And they actually fixed a lot of the little bugs that gave me trouble with it in the past. Uh, like in the past, rectangles were not struct types. They were actual objects. And so if you drew a lot of rectangles, you had to allocate a lot of objects. And that's not good if you're drawing circuits at high frame rates and things like that. And so I think the biggest surprise I got from it was, A, two things. A, how nice the binding was. It's a very simple to use API. But B, how fast it is, actually. And I'd like to talk about both. So have you gotten to use its API at all? So I haven't done any, no, I've, I've, I ran it through a few workbooks and actually saw how to draw some, like draw, how to draw the Zamagon with like lines and cubic twos and basically do a Mm. path, um, and do things like that or load up just drawing texts or bitmaps and loading it into a cross-platform API, but I haven't done anything with it. I've used some libraries that I think we can talk about and like what you can do with it, um, which has been really cool. In fact, a lot of Xamarin forms controls and Xamarin control vendors are using Skia Sharp, like Infragistics and um, Telerik, I know are using it. I'm not sure about Syncfusion, but they're kind of standardizing on the Skia Sharp because of that. Like, oh, it's like great because I can draw it all once. I don't have to write those platform specific APIs over and over again. (laughs) Right. And it's just a NuGet package. Yeah. So I'm hoping that the community does adopt this thing. I I hate the idea of us adopting adopting a Google product, (laughs) but it's got the Microsoft Xamarin stamp of approval on it, so we can accept it. But we really do desperately need a shared drawing library, and Microsoft and everyone's dropped the ball in not making system drawing working work everywhere. And so I think we we just have to take it up. If you're writing a library that's doing anything with 2D graphics, you're going to need a library. You might as well start using this one, I think. Yeah, and you said it's super fast. Which is what you said. So, <laughs> or no? Well, I want to I, I want to be detailed in one respect. Um, rendering on iOS is kind of crazy, <laughs> so we use a thing called Core Graphics. And the cool thing is, if you write your code in a special way, and if you're very lucky, that Core Graphics code will actually run on the GPU and render on the GPU, which is very nice and fast and all that stuff. Well, it looks like, uh, from my basic <laughs> basic playing around, that Skia also does a lot of the same tricks and can do hardware-accelerated rendering. So A, that's fantastic. But B, on top of that, they um, what ships with it 
is this is a little low level but in ios we have both views which are just little rectangles on the screen that display things like a text box or a button that's called a view but it's at the way a view draws itself is called a layer and if you want to do high performance graphics on ios you need to work at the layer level and manage those and move those around and draw those and the super nice thing is that skia sharp natively can work with layers and draw to layers and they have their own layer type so that's really nice uh, meaning that it can be animated well and integrate really well with ios got it that that's makes what sense. excites me about it yeah just having that layer support and didn't didn't someone say at some point that they were going to implement system.drawing cross-platform though, or no? Everyone under the sun has <laughs> started it and then given up at some point. Okay. I, you know, I kind of kicked myself uh, for not originally doing it and just finishing it because it's not that big of an API. It's doable. Um, if I was to do end graphics over again, maybe I even would take its API. But at this point, I think we just have to say goodbye unless there's a great resurgence of it from Microsoft, but they don't, they don't seem to care. They hate the API. So I don't think it's going to come back anytime. Yeah, it would be interesting to see because I've heard it mentioned a few times, but I think that like almost Skia Sharp, because the cool thing with Skia Sharp is that it actually supports all the Xamarin platforms, Xamarin Mac included, .NET Core itself with a .NET standard mm -hmm. package, and then it also yeah. supports WinForms, WPF, and UWP applications. So it's kind of like almost it goes everywhere. I don't know why there's not a watch version. Maybe uh, Frank can contribute that. But uh, are you sure the watch version wouldn't work? Oh, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. It probably would have to be compiled separately. You're right. Yeah. But it's probably uh, but very simple to do. Yeah. It's fantastic that it runs everywhere, and that's the whole point. You know, if I want to write a stupid script and need to do some drawing, then I'm happy I finally have a simple library to work oh. with. And you know what I, mean, I that love was about it, though, graphics. Mm -hmm. is that it also works with Xamarin Forms. <laughs> so from a XAML markup. I, I got to mention that because to me, that's kind of like a kicker that it also out of the box works with Xamarin Forms. And yeah. no matter, so now no matter what type of, I don't need to create a custom renderer or custom control, it just no. is there. Yeah, we should mention that there's actually three libraries. So there's Skia Sharp proper, which is just the high level renderer. But then there's um, Skia Sharp views, which is your native views. So that will give you native Android views and native iOS views. That's the one that has the optimized layers class that I want, you know. So there's that thing, but then there's skiasharp.forms, which has a cross-platform view that you can just use in your forms app, which is definitely the way to go if you're writing a cross-platform app. Just plop that baby in and use it. Yeah, and I think that will kind of be the next run of it as you hope to see more developers adopt it. And I say, I will, I ran just into this. I was doing .NET Conf not too long ago. And I'm like, oh, I want to do some charts and graphs. And I'm like, I wonder if there's anything using some cross-platform stuff because I was going to talk about Skia Sharp and Urho Sharp for 3D graphics. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's anything out there. And I ran across something called Microcharts, which was from this amazing developer called, who's, uh, his name's Aloise. Um, and I actually had him do a guest blog for the Xamarin blog because these things were like mind blowing when you just need a really simple chart or control that looks really beautiful across platform. And I found out that he has um, micro charts, which runs on all these platforms because it's using Skia Sharp under the hood to render everything. And it has a shim wrapper for Xamarin form. So you can literally add a um, chart into your Xamarin forms app with three lines of XAML. 
and you just create entries and there's minimal, right? It's not like a sync fusion or Telerik or infragistic control is like super crazy customizable mm-hmm. that is, but a little bit, but not as much as these craziness. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I just want a line chart that's really pretty with colors. Yeah. Like just do that. And it does it, which is really cool. Um, he's a cool yeah, developer. So. I, I like how low overhead it is. I think we all have to love small libraries that actually give you a lot of functionality. So this is this is perfect. And it's kind of inspiring too. It's like, just plop this thing into your library. Anytime you ever show a number in your app, you should show a chart in addition to it, or maybe just instead of it, you know? Stop putting numbers. We don't need grids and numbers, just lots of charts everywhere. Um, I think our apps look best when they're kind of graphics rich, and so it's nice having a very simple, small graphics library to work with here. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I like it a lot. And it was very to the point when you were like, oh, we should talk about 2D drawing. I was like, yes, because there's not just, it's not just drawing charts or not just drawing circles and rectangles. It is that, but it's also what can you construct out of that? And and how could we as developers in a community build really awesome libraries to do things like this, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. On, on the note of charts, in the past, I've used this uh, much larger one called Oxyplot, which is also great because it works on multiple platforms. Uh, that's OXY plot. So just another one out there, uh, which has more features than microcharts. But again, the cool thing is microcharts is kind of the first one of this breed that we hope are all just based on Skia <laughs> so that we just have a unified platform yeah. moving forward. Now, with this, though, can, compared to your end control or cross graphics or any of these other ones i I, i've obviously skia sharp is running this engine in c plus plus with this binding on top of it so there has to be some trade-off and you said performance is good but is the trade-off then like library size or how what are what what are the implications for me developer do you know I would say unless you're writing a a game or something, the trade-offs won't really matter to you. Now, deep down is what I mentioned before. If you're writing native drawing calls on iOS, then the operating system can really optimize the heck out of them, especially if you set flags. It can render them in the background. It can render, render them on the GPU thread. It can render them on the GPU itself if you're very lucky. So you're, you're trading off, um, that performance benefit. Fit. You're also trading off certain things like font rendering. The way iOS renders fonts is very specific to Apple. And so you're going to have a slightly different font render with um, Skia. The good news is these days our screens are so high resolution you can barely tell the difference. But th- there's potential typography differences there. Again, on the performance side, it- it's hard to say because eventually even uh, iOS's graphics code running on the CPU is just a bunch of C++ code. So it's just who wrote faster code, Google or iOS? I'm going to guess iOS only because they've had 11 revisions <laughs> to speed up that code and make it as absolutely blindingly fast as they can. So I would say you are trading up um, a tiny bit of performance Potentially, I mean, Skia Sharp can run on the GPU also, so it's all very confusing. So potentially some performance things, potentially some look and feel things like exact kind of typography rendering. But aside from that, who cares? Move on. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Your gain of having to write it once across every single platform, even if it's just one, I guess, is the big big draw, right? That's how I look at it. It is, especially if you can develop a real skill with it. Um, It's a big library. It's a nice, like I said, it's a good API, but it's a big API. And I look forward to learning it in depth over time. Well, I'm excited to what comes out of it because I think that's how 
I look at a lot of things. I like to build a lot of apps still and then integrating these things. And I'm even working on some other open source projects now. I'm like, hey, we need this thing. And I'm just like, oh, just, you know, here's this chart chart thing and here's Skia Sharp. And like, oh, you know, every time I mention it to someone, there's like, oh, I didn't know that existed. So hopefully we've uh, opened the eyes to a few of our listeners if you're looking for this type of thing, because it works and it works great. And everybody that I've recommended it to over the year or so that we've, I think, or maybe even longer, they've been working on it, um, really love it. So give it a look-sees um, there. And also let us know if you built any cool libraries that we can promote on the show, because I would love to oh, yeah. find out what people are building. Um, so yeah, do that. Yeah. And I did actually forget to mention, it can uh, import SVG files too. Mm-hmm. So if you just want to use it for icon rendering or just you know background rendering, it's great for that too. There you go. Just wanted to put that out there. All right. I think that's it, Frank. I think we covered the Google yeah. event in way more Ooh. depth than I thought we would. And definitely... <laughs> Now even have me more excited about cross-platform 2D 2D graphics than anything else. So I'm going to go try to maybe build something this weekend. So Oh, I look forward to it. I love programmer art. Yeah. It's the best kind of art. It's the best kind of art. All right, people, you can find us anywhere all over the internet. You know where we live, MergeConflict.fm. You can find all the latest podcasts there. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast players. If you're using Overcast, we would love if you would share that with all of your friends to help promote the show. And of course, if you're using Apple Podcasts, make sure you go over and leave us a review. We have had some awesome reviews lately. And that doesn't just make us feel good inside when we read those, but also helps promote the show on iTunes. So we climb up the charts there. And of course, just tell a friend if you're, you know, listening to podcasts and tell them what you're listening to and recommend Merge Conflict. We would love that. You can reach us anytime at Merge Conflict FM on Twitter at James Montemagno on Twitter. That's me at Proclarum over there, Frank. Until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.